Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. No cute moments. No, no. no, This is a serious, a serious NPR-like show, and there's to be no levity whatsoever. (laughs) Disruption, the show that disrupts Bree's way to the house. (laughs) What? I have no doubt. Yeah, I have no doubt of that at all. Nobody listens to this show. It's not going to be a problem. She's going to be like, we have to stop advertising the show, guys. They're going to have to like go through and re-listen to every single stupid episode of Isometric. That's, no, that actually right. almost makes it worthwhile. Right. Bri, I right. have a new tagline for you. As you run, it's no doubt, but D-O-W, as in I've cut ties with Georgia Dow. There is no doubt. <laughs> That's, that's, you don't need to worry about her anymore. All, all that stuff. So I was, I was being egged on by Georgia Dow. She's responsible for all the over uh, the inappropriate things yeah. I said. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. right I mean, right, and basically right. everything that you've said has been under duress. Really, yeah, yes. of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm just loving the idea of like your competition having to go back and listen to us talk about fast food video games for like half an hour on yeah. one of those early <laughs> isometrics. Yeah. Oh my Bree, God. This is a trap. You've literally like created the biggest waste of time that they'll ever experience <laughs> in their lives. They have years of podcasts. To That's listen it. To. Oh my That's God. it. That's it. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. It's oh, awesome. Disruption. I am your host this week, Brianna Wu. I am head of uh, development at Giant Space Cat, and I'm also a candidate for the House of Representatives, which I'm super excited about. I joined this week by the one, the only, the pretty weird, she should probably be in therapy, Simone de Rochefort, also known as Sergeant Rochefort. How are you doing, Simone? Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, and I'm super excited to be here on this other lesser podcast, Disruption. Yes, yes. Wow. Shots fired. Simone's dropping truth bombs. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to come over there with with the Nerf drone that I haven't bought and and come, uh, you know, exact justice. Oh, I come into I, your I guess what they say about that later in the show. But right now, we got keep going, guy. Introducing the the dude you're hearing on this podcast today is the one, the only, the lackey of big shoe, big data analyst, Steve Lubitz. Steve, how are you holding up? You, you also you forgot you forgot my other title, which is representative of the patriarchy. Yes, you are. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Big Daddy. No, oh. no, I'm not going to no, call him Steve that there. today. No. no, we won't be doing that. Well, Steve, you I, have multiple children. How are you? Anyway, go I, on. Okay, go on. okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, big, big Daddy, no, we're not. We, no, besides, no, we can't we, say the D word on this show anymore because Brie will make me edit. Oh, we it's, it it's very inappropriate. Oh, very I'm inappropriate. sorry. I didn't know. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We are also joined here by someone I like to call Canada's sweetheart. Uh, she's also a senior uh, editor at iMore, the one, the only, Georgia Dow, Georgia. How's it going? Terminated. No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just used to yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah this is like yeah. par deux. 
Um, yes, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Are you excited? So I've got to tell you guys, after the show we did the other <laughs> week, I had a listener of Disruption that works for Hasbro uh, write me, and there are prototype Nerf rival guns that you can barely get. Really? And they uh, worked it out, so I was able to get one of them. So uh, no. just before the show today, I managed to get the uh, Nerf rival Armides, which is it's a Springer blaster. It has thirty rival balls in the in the chamber. It shoots them 30. at one hundred and ten feet per second, which I believe is seventy Could miles that kill an hour. Someone? Yeah, that well, I tried. I tried my hardest. <laughs> Frank is still alive. Was that in revenge for uh, Frank getting you? Sick? Really, he's just in the house, so you know it's, he's hiding. It's, he's yeah. probably the yeah. House, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, no, it's awesome. Ladies. So, thank you to that listener for doing is, that. Is this? It's the the Artemis XVII three thousand. I can't do Roman numerals. Don't. don't. Yes, it is. Oh yes, it God. is. That's it's, it. That's yeah. Oh, let me look it up. Yeah, that's this, terrifying, right? This is this is frightening. Yeah, Artemis, which is the number. 17-3000 but XVII in in Roman numerals because this is show off this is too hardcore for like standard like Gregorian numerals. I don't even know if it's Gregorian right, or whatever. Right. Well, yeah. the problem with normal oh, Nerf guns is they're not accurate. You know, like the darts will go everywhere. It doesn't matter if you aim. The thing with rifle is they, they made them shoot so fast that it's banned in Australia <laughs> and so hard. <laughs> and it's oh not a dart. It's like this little, what they call a high impact round. So it's great for <gasps> shooting your husband in the face. I really yeah. recommend it. Yeah. This so ammunition this is, looks very intense. Yeah. The ammunition is not like a nerf thing. This is like it's like a it's golf shooting. ball. These are like musket balls basically. It's yeah. like a golf ball fired at 100 and uh, 110 miles an hour. And the best part is like you have to wear eye protection and Frank has found that like normal safety goggles are not enough. So <laughs> he has like one of the do you know the shield Dexter uses in the show <laughs> like oh, no. Dexter oh, like the whole thing you pulled out in front of your face, the plastic shield? That's what Frank uses. So Bree, yeah. tell me how Frank learned that regular eye goggles weren't <laughs> enough. It was. Um, it sounds like a like it was a violation of his Second Amendment rights that led to that discovery. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I have to tell you, ever since I've gotten into Nerf guns, I believe really strongly that collecting guns leads to more shooting. I don't know how it could not after what's happened in our house. Like, like Frank gets shot just constantly now. I'm just so. imagining oh you like Homer yeah. Simpson, like using your Nerf gun as like a can opener. Oh, and using it to like open the lock on the door, and I just you know it's a it's really it's really a very versatile tool when you think about it. No, it's great. This this sounds like a way you could actually defend your home, though. <laughs> like it sounds like someone comes into your house, they're in for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hope you better bring some safety goggles, uh, burglars and Gamergate. Like we're we're armed to the teeth here. It's going to be oh, great. Freaking so, luck. All right, all right. So let's get into the topics today. Uh, the first topic is the finest website in the entire world ever in the history of man. Polygon.com, uh, Allegra Frank had a fantastic piece that came out, uh, basically talking about competitive Pokemon and, uh, you know, basically competitive Pokemon being summed up in one tweet. So before we start, I've got to ask you, Simone, I don't know. Are you, are you hardcore Pokemon? I am not a hardcore Pokemon. Uh, oh. I played it, uh, as a youth. I'm still interested in it, but I don't play it. I, I think with the, the same, uh, 
rigor that some do. All right, all right, Steve, you're going to have to suffice here. Uh, so anyway, what Allegra's uh, piece was, well, yeah, it's uh, Allegra's piece was talking about the hardcore uh, competitive scene and how uh, basically competitive Pokemon really, really does come down to luck uh, to the point where you can't really call it a competitive game. And in this, they uh, they had a, a video of a Pokemon battle, and it was uh, one where the other uh type of Pokemon should have a massive advantage and just by like three lucky things happening in a row uh, they end up winning and you know this is the way Pokemon goes so yeah I wanted to start this off and say Steve you know uh, when we first started you were the Pokemon uh, I was but the Pokemon learner now I am the Pokemon master uh, how how do you feel about this do you ever competitively battle much I've never played competitive Pokemon because I've had friends who did it like way back in like the the gold silver and the diamond and pearl days and yeah. I, it always seemed it's funny now given how much of my life is spent trolling uh hearthstone sites for deck lists but <laughs> like I, i've always looked at like all the nuances of like ev points and breeding <sighs> and you yeah. know getting the perfect level level 100 pokemon to be able to you know mate with the other perfect 100 level pokemon and it, it's always been like a little bit above my level i mean i saw this po- this tweet that this guy sent out and I, you'd have to explain it a little bit more, Bree, but my understanding was that I guess the, the Pokemon that he was using in the battle has some sort of an ability that lets it, like, survive lethal damage with one hit point or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's called Sturdy. It's okay. called Sturdy. And then, so the other Pokemon hits it with a, with a fire attack and it leaves it burned. So it go it dies, it goes to the one hit point, and then the burn kills it. And then that's the end yeah. of the battle after about 15 seconds. And yeah. and then he goes on a rant after that. So yeah, uh, my my question for you, I guess, is doesn't that happen in Hearthstone too? Oh yeah, with yeah yeah with ridiculous things happening, and that's still considered a competitive game. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I thought this was interesting because I, and and this happens every so often that it it goes kind of in cycles where there are times when there's too much RNG in the game. RNG is short for random number generator, which is kind of like a shorthand for randomness. Um, there's a lot of that in the Hearthstone team, uh, Hearthstone scene too, where there was, it, it came to a head a few months ago in one of the other sets where there was a card called Yogg-Saron, which was this giant tentacly old god dude that would play a, a random spell targeted randomly for every spell that you'd played <laughs> in the game up to that point. So he would generally the what happened in a lot of these games is that you were kind of stupid to not play him because he was kind of like a break glass in case of emergency that you'd be winning up to that point and your opponent would just throw down Yogg-Saron and then you'd wait for a minute and then open your eyes and your board would be cleared and they'd have won. But and they ended up nerfing that card because of that. But I I don't think that necessarily randomness in a competitive game like negates the skill involved in in playing a game like that i mean and i mean people who are getting to this level they have to have a level of skill in order to kind of overcome that randomness you know what i mean but can it can it make it too far like can there be too much randomness so that like randomness beats skill more often than not and it makes the game like is that kind of where this person was going with it brie 
Well, that's where they feel like it is. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. I think that, you know, I think uh, from purely game design perspective, and I just want to remind everyone, game design is a, a you know, it's a science. It's it's definitely a skill, right? Like we have we have books about theory. Uh, you know, good game design is a good mix of uh, skill and luck. Uh, the ideal game should give anyone a chance to win, uh, but you. You know, like the the better player is going to win over time. Peggle being a really good example. You know, mm-hmm. Steve, the last time I played over at your house, your 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 kid beat me for the three games we played. But if we sat down and played a hundred games, I would absolutely win a lot more often. It's just the the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with Pokemon, I would say this: Pokemon has grown to be too complex that it's it's just not realistic to think. Any one person can, you know, remember all the 800 Pokemon out there, all the different rule types with, uh, you know, the innate abilities baked into them. You know, on top of that, you've got this, uh, you know, Pokemon can hold items like berries, or you can hand them an item like a, a, a helmet, which will inflict damage if someone does a physical attack. On top of that, you've got evolution and mega evolution. You know, now with Pokemon Sun and Moon, you've got Z moves on top of that. So this is it's a lot of strategy to be thinking about and there's just no way going into any fight you can really uh have all of those factors in mind uh it's worth saying like from the breeding point of view like the breeding part of the game steve you and i were joking about this with the last show the difference in what we call perfect pokemon something of a pokemon with perfect ivs individual values and just a random pokemon is 10 percent a 10% stat boost. And, you know, all these other factors really, you know, they, they, they overcompensate for the other things that can fluctuate here. So, uh, I, I almost wish Pokemon were able to take a little bit of a step back in some way and, and rethink some of these, uh, you know, gameplay, uh, mechanics. Cause I do think the game is a little too convoluted at this point. Yeah, so I mean, I imagine there must be like a meta that evolves. Uh, not, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I imagine there must be some sort of a meta that evolves where you're not really worrying about all 800 Pokemon because some of them just like like you're not gonna unless you're really trying to like you know taunt your opponent. You're not gonna go in with a Magikarp, right? Like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have like some that are like at the top of the game, and then you're gonna have others that you're just not gonna worry about, like because. Like, I'm thinking about, like, playing a control deck in Hearthstone because, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You have a a card game is nothing but playing around randomness. And I when I'm playing a control deck, like what's a control deck? Sorry. A control deck just tries to have an answer to everything that your opponent will play and just eventually grind them down where either you can just finish them off with one big minion or you just wear them out so that they just run out of damage in their deck and they can't do anything anymore. Like, I'll play around things a lot of the time, but I know I don't have to play around every card in the game, totally. um, you know, in order to in order to do that. And I know what's what's like what they're likely to play. And that's a lot of the skill with the randomness, too, is is like knowing mm-hmm. knowing what the metagame is, knowing what your opponent's likely to play and what you have to be prepared for. Right. It's not just yeah, yeah. like, you know, being prepared for everything and hoping for the best. 
Yeah, and I think my my take on it, I agreed with the other player who's quoted in this who uh, believes that luck, or the quote is, luck doesn't make a game non-competitive. And I'm thinking, I think you can draw a comparison between the status effects like being burned or being frozen or whatever and environmental factors in um, real life sport, real life sports. Yeah, I guess that's the term I'm going to use. Like if it's been raining and you're playing a game of soccer, like a really skilled player might not slip on the pitch, but they they also might slip just because it's really slippery that day and i guess the difference is that in a video game like whether or not your pokemon gets burned rather than just taking whatever the normal amount of damage is doesn't necessarily come down to something that you do but it's still you know it's it's a random factor that you can't really control and it doesn't necessarily i think detract from the competitiveness of it yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, most people play Pokemon to, you know, like, I love Zigzagoon. I love Zigzagoon because she, uh, she reminds me of Rocket a lot. Uh, but <laughs> she does. That's they look awesome. exactly the same. Uh, no, I'm yeah. thinking about it, and that's awesome. And that, that yeah. Now that I'm thinking of it like that, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I, I love Zigzagoon, but it's a trash Pokemon. I mean, it yeah. just is. And there are only about 50 Pokemon that are really, truly uh, competitive. You know, a good Pokemon deck is probably going to have an Aegeus Slash, because uh, probably going to have a Gengar. Like, it's it's definitely going to have these really rock-solid competitive Pokemon. But even even at that point, like, it is overcomplicated. And Sun Moon did some really smart things to make this easier. You know, it uh, actually tells you right next to every single move if it's effective, not very effective. Effective, super effective, which I like, but it's also smart enough that when you're switching, it asks you, do you want to switch in a new Pokemon? It, you, if you don't know what's going to be effective and what's not, uh, like if you've knocked someone out and you're throwing in another Pokemon, you're not going to know what type to play, even though the other player will have that information. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it still rewards you for knowing this stuff. But um, I, I definitely agree it's too convoluted at this point. Yeah, I'd like to see them take a step back. Yeah, that's fair. The arms race theory yeah. of game development. The Pokemon arms race. Yeah, I think with any game like this, like if if there if it was just luck, like you wouldn't have consistently top players, you know, yeah. like you would like everyone would have like a 50 percent win rate and it wouldn't matter. And it's like, you know, maybe you'd have one person who just flipped heads 10 times, but you wouldn't have people like at the top who'd be able to win tournaments more than once. Right. Like yeah. a lot of the games that you see the, you know, people complain, well, it's all luck and there's no skill involved. Well, you have people who still are able to adapt to that randomness and are able to be better than everybody else despite all the randomness because at the end of the day everyone gets hit by random effects sooner or later and it's how you how you manage that and how you in and also like how you mentally recover from that too like how you can like not get tilted by just getting blown out on the first play of the game by some stupid random effect and then come back the next battle and and be able to recover from that and not just fall into like a salty a salty blizzard you know what i mean <laughs> steve it's Absolutely. perfect that you said that by the way steve's pokemon salty blizzard yes yeah now at dairy queen that's the blizzard of the month Oh, no. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So our, our second story up today, this is uh, basically there was a piece in The Guardian uh, today, and it's a, a difficult 
like story to describe because it's more visual. But basically, uh, with uh, surveillance everywhere uh, today, they are uh, coming out with new cloths and hairstyles and makeup techniques to basically uh, you know, counteract uh, this new software <clears throat> that you know, will will basically be able to do facial recognition. Uh, and what it does is it it kind of it's this pattern of uh, cloth that kind of mimics uh, the shape of eyes and mouths and, you know, it throws off recognition. They also have some people that look like they escaped from a 90s cyberpunk novel. Uh, <laughs> they looked awesome. All the, I'm just saying yeah, they looked it's awesome. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Absolutely. <laughs> Though I don't know how much work I get done all day if I had just like one piece yeah. of like bang strip <laughs> in my eye, part of it blonde and the other blue. Like A, I'd have to use so much hairspray that I would never move. <laughs> and then I'd only have one eye. So uh yeah, but it's basically looking at uh anti surveillance techniques to kind of uh crash the machine with you know it's a very watchdog's motif. So all right, so Georgia, this is your topic. Uh yeah, what do you think about this? What's going on? Well, I think that that we are coming into a time of life where my children are never going to know the type of privacy that I just took for granted on my own, that this even has to come out, that we have to have, we, and we don't have to, but you would have to give up your privacy. The AI and facial recognition is get, becoming so good that at some point in our development, probably relatively soon, people are going to know where we are almost always and be able to recognize who we are, what our name is. Slowly, people, other people are going to be able to walk down the street and know my name, all of my social accounts, you know, how many, like, internet credits I have. And this is going to become a really serious issue. Privacy is going to disappear as we know it. So that we have to come out with clothing that would protect our identity because the uh, computer software is becoming so intrusive, so intrusive. N- NVIDIA just sent out a, a conference, probably some of you watched it where uh, they spoke about their facial recognition and how how effective it is at even reading lips so they could tell what you are saying without saying anything. And they were doing this for their um, car software, which which sounds great if you're you know in a car and it's loud. And I just thought, oh, my God, they're going to be able to even know what's happening in our conversations without even having to have a listening device. They just have to be able to be in proximity enough to see us. And I think that we are in a really scary time of society because I doubt that we're going to have legislation that's going to protect us for our own privacy walking down the streets where we need to have clothing that's going to protect us for us. It's like this really scary, creepy period of time where Minority Report is becoming more and more like the norm, not like some freaky sci-fi movie. That was immediately what I thought of when I read this piece. And I think the the actual technology is really cool and really interesting that we can use physical physical things like just wearing a scarf or adapting a hairstyle or wearing a certain kind of makeup to kind of to fool the machines but yeah it is horrifying at its base that this is something that we need but i love the human ingenuity uh, on display here um i although i do think that these hairstyles are kind of ugly i don't know you don't want to live in <laughs> mirror's edge and run on top of <laughs> run on top of rooftops because that's what it looks like you would be doing yeah, some of us can rock the 90s cyberpunk like thing. Like, come on, let us okay, have what our I, thing. What I'm interested yeah. in yeah. is the like streak of makeup across her cheek. That's really yeah. interesting. Cool. And okay. they, he talks about how um, everyone used to wear hats, and you never go out of the house without your hat. And it's a big nuisance if you're writing historical novels because you always have to keep track of hats, for example. But I love thinking about the ways that our fashion and our makeup will evolve just 
out of necessity or out of the culture that we live in. Like, what do we need? What do we want to, how do we want to portray ourselves to the people around us? And this, this just fascinates me because of that. I think you have the ways that will evolve in the future. So, you know, my, my thought on this is, yeah, maybe it's, it's my like software developer brain, but like, like, say an issue like recycling, right? Like, you know, liberals love to, like, hammer personal recycling. And while it's an individually fine choice, I can't help but, like, think of, you know, all the massive amount of waste that goes on with manufacturing products, which, you know, far eclipses personal waste, even though that's a lot. And I'm like, okay, well, the personal actions are good, but we also need to look at, you know, mandating and, you know, having these larger variables taken care of. So in, in that same way, Georgia, like I read this and I, 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 I see someone like pulling a watchdog, basically a technique to not appear in this or at least lessen your risk. I think that's good for an individual person. But I think that the, the better answer to kind of recapturing some of that privacy you're talking about is through the legislative process. You know, mm-hmm. like we need yeah. an, we need an omnibus like privacy bill to be passed. We need restrictions mm-hmm. on this kind of data uh, being freely traded back and forth to to go through. We need legislative oversight that if you're going to you know go through all this data that a real judge needs to really evaluate this and not be like a, a FISA court, which is just a rubber stamp. So yeah, yeah, I'm all for this kind of idea, but I also think it's kind of gimmicky. And I think it's like really, um, I, I don't think it's a very direct solution to the problem. No, I don't think it is. I think it's a it's a sad state of affairs that people would even need to have to go through that because we no longer have a trust in our government to protect us versus just to surveil us. I totally agree with you that there absolutely needs to be hopefully some oversight on this. But on the other hand, like if you are um, an engineer or a scientist and that is your job, this is what you're going to do rather yeah. than change tracks. And I, you have obviously done that because you are... A superhuman. (laughs) I mean, I think the other point is that, you know, this will work for a period of time, but eventually facial recognition technology is not just going to be something that's like built into red light cameras and and Mm. used that way. Like there was a story a couple weeks ago about this supermarket that Amazon's opening up. You don't wait in line or register. You just walk out of the store with what with the stuff and it and it charges you. And presumably Mm -hmm. the way that it's charging you is it's tying it's using facial recognition to tie you to your Amazon account and then just charges you. I think it's actually your um, your ID on your phone. So you actually swipe your phone when you come in. Oh, really? Did they say your Amazon account? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's not though I'm not saying that they wouldn't and eventually they wouldn't go that way, but it it this one is not as of yet that. Yeah, but I mean it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility to think no, that we could get sure. there. And then yeah. so eventually you're kind of opting out of parts of society by you by taking advantage of something like that camouflage uh, material because I mean if you think about it right like you Google doesn't get all of your information by coercion right it gets mm-hmm. your information from you just using the web and you have to actively like opt out of a lot of stuff to keep Google from getting a lot of information on you but that also locks you out of a lot of functionality on the internet too yeah, I think of like how many websites I log into with Facebook just because it's sheer convenience. Do I set up a new account or do I just use mm-hmm. my Facebook? Eh, I'm lazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, you know, I've had to bend over backwards to keep my new address out of, um, you know, public records because of the amount of death threats I get, right? We have to, I can't have packages delivered to my house. I have to drive across town to a remailing, uh, you know, center to get my mail and get packages. I've had to have, you know, conversations with, you know, companies that need my home address to give me a product. And I'm like, I just flat out can't give it to you because I can't trust that you're not going to sell it to someone else. This is a, it's a freaking nightmare that, you know, it's so hard to push against this. Again, the only, the only way forward I can see is like a privacy bill and, you know, just Mm -hmm. talking about specifics, I think what we've got to do, and so when you and I have talked about this on Rocket with the Ashley Madison hack, mm-hmm. I think the only way that we can solve this is look at civil court. So if Ashley Madison doesn't take their infosec seriously, you know, I think they should be civilly liable to all of those consumers whose data they're collecting. And this would do so many things. So if I'm running a company and I have a lot of um, users' information around, you know, if I don't go through and salt it and hash it and have two-factor authentication and all of these safeguards in place, that makes me very legally liable in a way that could destroy my company. So that will do two things. A, it will limit the number of companies that just capture all this information because why not? We can sell it. There are no rules here. And it will make it much harder to hack. I also think it would have huge advantages to the open source community because, you know, if something has a proprietary system, you don't have oversight. You can't, like, code audit as easily. If you're using open source technology, well, that's something that's kind of been given, you know, it's doing more due diligence because more people can put their eyes on it. So, I think that kind of bill would be very difficult to get through special interest, but it's the mm. only way to solve this because articles on Mike are not going to solve it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like I'll I'll yell about like all this IoT stuff and and try to keep a lot of it out of my house just because I think that it's it's generally too risky. And some, look, seeing some of the stuff that came out of CES this week <laughs> just made me roll my eyes. Like I must have. <laughs> if you followed me on Twitter this week, I'm so sorry because I must have shown you like every stupid gadget i saw this week like a smart trash can and oh my god i can't we covered but, it on rocket because of your tweets yeah <laughs> but but at the same time like i know that this is a losing battle too like i i'm gonna get to a point where i'm gonna have to replace like a dishwasher and i'm not gonna be able to buy one that doesn't have wi-fi enabled yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and yes. or maybe it doesn't even have like buttons on the front of it. It just has an app on your phone that controls it and there's not a way to turn it on without by just pressing a button on the front of it. You know what I mean? So ultimately yeah. the you know, you can fight this stuff all you want, but eventually it's just going to be get to the point where like you're you're the guy looking for a manual transmission car and you can't find one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. Exactly. It- the climate change slash recycling example is so good because there is literally nothing that I, as an individual, can do to halt the march of climate change. And yeah, it's it's all about legislation. But I mean, that's that's just the answer, right? So yeah, if you're a woman out there, please run for office this year. If you're anyone that understands this stuff, please run for office. So before we go to topic number two, uh, Steve, do you have a? I think you have a message for everybody. 
I have something awesome to tell you all about that this episode of Disruption is brought to you by Hired. Uh, searching for a new job can feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming, and pushy recruiters will try to sell you on roles that you don't really want, and job boards will make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole never to be seen again. <laughs> and sometimes you go all the way through an interview process, and you just find out at the end that the salary or the culture just doesn't match what you're looking for. And this, my friends, is why you need Hired. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities opportunities in engineering, development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. Basically, anything that you would want to do or that you should want to do, Hired will help you do. Uh, They make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. And so instead of you just sending out resumes to companies and hoping for the best, Hired will put you in control of when and how you connect with new opportunities. So you fill out one simple application, and then employers apply to hire you instead of the other way around. So wow. you'll you will get personalized interview requests and you'll find out about the salary up front so you can spend your time wisely and pursue the opportunities that make the most sense for you. And through the whole process, you're going to have a talent advocate that has your back, giving you career coaching and helping you put your best foot forward with potential employers. Um, they have access to over 4,000 innovative employers, including big names like Facebook and smaller startup companies. And what what kind of company, the size and what industry, everything is totally up to you. They're in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and even Australia. Uh, where where Nerf guns are banned, but but hired is, but hired is legal. So if you want to if you want to move to Australia, you just let them know and they will help you do it. Uh, just watch out for the koalas. Uh, so your, your your privacy and autonomy and your job search is really important to them, and they hide your profile from all your current and past employers, and it's completely free to you. That's the best part. No exceptions. Not only is it free, but they will actually pay you to get hired. And if you are a listener to this show, you will get double the normal $1,000 hiring bonus by going to Hired.com slash disruption. That's right. You will get $2,000 for finding your next chapter on Hired by going to Hired.com slash disruption. So you, if you're looking for a new job, you should just go there right now. There's no reason not to. And thank you so much to hired for sponsoring this episode of disruption and all of relay fm that's awesome yay oh that my does God. seem like a really good way you get paid yeah. to get hired yeah i, I don't yeah. understand how yeah. like what's the uh like there must be some sort of a trick to that well, it's, it's, well, it's so hard to find good talent though that yeah you really know and, and it's such a it's such a nightmare to try to hire somebody that if they'll do that screening and they'll find quality applicants and match them with companies like just to not have to go through an hr department going through a gazillion resumes that may or may not have anything to do with the job that they're applying for I could see that being of a lot of benefit to a company. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's like yeah. a really brilliant way of doing it. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I'll tell you this, if this whole uh, political thing doesn't work out, I'm going to, I'm going to apply to hire and I'm going to go do bartending. I think I'd be really good at bartending. Maybe Hasbro can hire you as a Nerf designer. A Nerf gun oh designer. My God, oh my God, that would be, that would be the dream job. Yeah, that would be it. Oh my that would God. be it. Drop everything. And you would design some of the best Nerf guns. Yeah. Yeah. I'd want a skull gun. I'd want like a just nerf guns to fire out of my skull at people. That would be oh awesome. My God. It would be like okay. a hat. 
Nerf like guns a, that target facial recognition cameras yes. so that you, you won't be recognized. They'd be like oh paint, paint Nerf guns. Or like a Nerf like tactical nuke that you would call down, like Nova. <laughs> See, I would, I would kind of want like a Nerf jacket that like I would just pull two buttons and then like bullets would just shoot out all the way around. Yes. Oh my god, I would, or like a diva mech that shoots Nerf guns. Oh, <gasps> oh my yes. god. Oh. Make it happen, Brie. There it is. Oh my god, I'm going to work a- that into a Defense Appropriations Act, and then we're going to get that funded. My own Iron Woman suit. I it's think if you now. if you had a campaign ad where you just showed up in a mech, shoot it, in a purple mech shooting Nerf guns, you would yeah. have no problem winning the primary. That's it true. wouldn't matter. That's true. You could, mm-hmm. you could campaign for like for the the end of the world and people would still vote for you it it would not matter all right so on topic three today this is uh you know this is something uh simone you had suggested and this is something i'm very passionate about so (laughs) yeah there was a there was a story that came out today uh from the verge and i saw this and i loved it and i appreciated it about why on earth are pcs so freaking ugly (laughs) Why? It's like over-testosteronated, like Terminator 80 stuff with some of these designs coming out of CES. So, you know, the piece goes through and it looks at, you know, like gaming PCs. And, you know, it's it's drawing a contrast between, you know, Samsung, who's going through and uh, is using new ultralight materials to make the thinnest 13-inch laptop that's ever been made, and, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, IBM's ThinkPad series, where they're actually using uh, carbon fiber weaves into the case to make it stronger and more durable, and you compare that to gaming PCs. This this one design that came out of CES, it looks like a Terminator made-for-TV movie, <laughs> and not the good kind. It's, Are you it's, talking about the Predator? And not the good kind. Oh it's God. it's just got like red parts glued on it for no reason. It's just loud. It's tacky. It's it's big and clunky for no reason. And yeah, you know, for me, I would spend just about any amount of money to be able to play Civ Six on my couch because MacBooks can't run games like that these days. <laughs> yeah. So so you know. Uh, but the truth is, there just aren't really good gaming laptops out there. So uh, yeah, Simone, like, what do you think about? this so this uh, this was brought to my attention it was dropped in our slack lounge and my coworker julia said why can't they just make a gaming laptop that is designed with the the minimalism of a macbook and i it I, my mind like exploded in slow motion <laughs> and there are there are some the razor the razor blade which oh, is a the name the name is not great but the razor blade pro is like a, a sleek looking gaming laptop its leds are minimalist but it still has leds and like all these computers like the the article points out the lenovo has these like red sort of mesh looking patches at the top of the keyboard that aren't anything they aren't speakers they aren't <laughs> fans it's just like some here's some red here's a <laughs> splash of red because blood and, and, and guts and, and you're so hardcore so cool and the worst criminal for me is the acer predator which is the one oh. with the curved screen and it it's just imagine a laptop with a curved screen but then imagine like nothing looks like it's fitting together oh this like, is the nine thousand dollar one uh, no, I don't think this is the nine thousand dollar one. I think the uh, I think the is the Samsung the nine thousand dollar one. 
Um, I'd have to I'd have to check on that, but I'm gonna drop this link in the Skype so you can look at it. But it, it's just freaking hideous. It looks like <laughs> a high schooler's like shop project, <laughs> and I don't understand why this is. And the article does get into that a bit, where uh, the the writer talks to. Um, people from these companies and i guess these computers wow. are selling but like that i refuse really, to you are right isn't it yeah it's hideous i That's, refuse to believe that they're selling that or that minimalist computers or better looking more uh, classy computers uh, wouldn't sell uh, i'm saying you're all dying uh, <laughs> i think you might have to resurrect brie after looking at that like I had a laptop in like 1995 back when they had like tiny screens and it was like a 486 monstrosity that probably cost my parents like $8,000 and it was probably smaller than this thing. Like this thing is Oof. ginormous and it looks like something Jack Bauer would be carrying around. It's a literal crime against design and my eyeballs. It's a crime yeah. against design. It does. It looks like someone was trying to design a futuristic laptop in a, a really cheap sci-fi flick and and came up with this idea. Ooh. Mm. And like, oh, Jack, really Jack Bauer has to run, Steve. I just have to say, he runs all the time. He wouldn't be, like, he's oh, shooting people. Down, yeah. He's trying to, yeah, yeah, that's not realistic. <laughs> he, he's going to pull out pull out his MacBook, just MacBook, slim, nice. He'll pull out his iPad. No, but, like, the thing, the, for me, it's not even about the, like, the thickness of the machine. Because, like, I, it, I know that if you want to fit a lot of powerful hardware in there, you have to make some concessions with size and weight, et cetera, et cetera. But just like the way that it looks, like the weird bumps and stuff. And the the, yeah. I mean, I'm okay. It's I actually very like back angular keywords, in but, the wrong way. Yeah, it's angular, angular in the wrong way, and just the 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 urge to just add stuff onto it when you could have something that is you know just as big and just as powerful, but is also beautiful design. And the comparison I think to our phones is great. And I, I really do wonder the the point that he brings up is that millennials grew up with like nice, sleek, lovely phones, and that's kind of what a certain generation is used to. And so he's kind of hoping that this trend will fall off. But the truth is that computers like this do sell so at what point do, does a company take a risk and start making a better looking gosh darn gaming laptop <laughs> well it sells it sells i mean this is the same mistake the game industry makes right mm -hmm. like it does sell to the traditional market which they seem to believe is only 14 year old boys yeah. you know <laughs> i would i would never buy one of these and you no. know someone you mentioned razor um, you know, I don't buy Razer because a their their keyboards have all these weird drivers in it and stuff, and Ooh. like that that just kind of like make the keys like you know flash different colors and all of that. Also, when their CEO joined Snapchat and then just tweeted out to people like, "Hey, any hot girls out there want to hook up?" <laughs> like that wasn't like oh, the yeah. best They're PR. Yeah, 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 that wasn't the most PR savvy moment there. But even you know the Razer, it's the best thing we have and even that it it doesn't look like something i could be proud to spend money on right no, like it something still looks that, yeah. a bit cheap it's like using a 3ds in public it's just like <laughs> you know it, it's like i i'm playing a game but it doesn't mean that i want to look like a 12 year old playing a game in public it's yeah the problem is that the people who are playing games 
have grown up like I'm coming on 38. I still play games every night. I still play games on my computer every night, despite despite my MacBook not really wanting to and me forcing it anyway. (laughs) And I but I I do use a MacBook and I don't I wouldn't want to be out and about with, you know, something that looks out of like a sci fi flick that would end up on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Like it's there. I I'm sure that 16 year old Steve would have been all over the Predator. He would have mm-hmm. loved it, and he would have put stickers on it and played Diablo and been super happy. But I don't <laughs> want to be buying that right now. Like I went to buy like a mouse to be able to play Heroes of the Storm, and I ended up with a Steel Series Rival 300, which is fairly sleek. It's still got like the giant LED in the back of it, which I I do enjoy when it glows purple. But even then, it was like a challenge to find just a mouse that didn't look like it was about to, like, transform into a robot and take off for Cybertron. And (laughs) it's I don't understand why this is so difficult to understand. You know, 16 year olds don't have a lot of them don't have the disposable income to be spending nine thousand dollars on a gaming laptop. They're not the mm-hmm. ones who are spending that kind of money for a lot of the time. I mean, their their parents maybe, but they're they they're better not. not be. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they yeah, are. Yeah, this looks like it looks like like the Nerf gun that we were showing you. It looks yes. like it completely yeah. is in that universe. That's true. The difference is a Nerf gun is a toy for children. That, <laughs> you know that I appropriated am a child by adults. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say, Steve, I can't. I have distant memories of being a teenager and feeling worried that people were going to judge me for using electronics in public. I can't even remember what that would feel like because it's been so long. I will play my Vita in public. I will play my 3DS in public. I, I DGAF. I, I don't care. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, at least like the Vita looks like a, a piece of consumer electronics. Like I'll play my 3DS in public too, but I still know that I, what I look like when I do it. I'm okay. I'm confident enough in my adulthood that I don't care. And those people can go, can go mind their own business, but it's still, it would be easier to be able to pull something like that out in public. If it looked a little bit more like an iPhone and a little bit less like a Fisher price Bluetooth speaker. Mm-hmm. Dave, you life hacked this, dude. You've got the three Tasmanian devils with you all the time. They're setting fire and screaming. Yeah, nobody's and like, looking at me uh, ever. No one's <laughs> noticing you. Like uh, it's it's a rather genius Deploy distraction. children so yes. Daddy can play his games. Yeah, that's right. Simone, D word. I'm sorry. I'm Come sorry. See, I'm on. trying it's to actually, remove it. It's actually worse because they're looking at me playing the game and wondering why I'm not managing my children. So they're actually they're actually <laughs> judging me even more, but for different <laughs> reasons now. Yeah, we yeah. reverse okay. life hacked this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Way to turn a positive into a negative, Steve. Yeah. I do like I do like the LED keyboards. I have to say though, I could do multicolored keys. I like LEDs. <laughs> I like that, but like. The overkill of having it around the trackpad and yeah, having you go, there's there's it a point. It's like you know, great art. They teach you that there's a point where you have to say just stop. Right, a great artist knows <laughs> when to stop, and it just seems like they figured like sometimes more is not better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just yeah. sometimes more is not better. There's like something that goes to futuristic and looks cool, and then there's yeah. like over the top. Oh my goodness, it looks like, you know, Auntie Thelma and Uncle Harry just went to town with the blue gun <laughs> on your laptop, and that's not a good thing. Unless they're famous artists, then go for it and you can sell it for a lot of money. <laughs> Zoe Quinn, uh, when I mentioned this on Twitter, brought up gaming chairs, and I'm linking you to some. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Really? Uh, 
chairs for gamers. Chairs yeah. Only yeah. real gamers. gamers sit in these chairs. Oh, it's true. What, it's what true. is up with that? What is up with that? They're all multi colorful hideous looking creatures. except for that circular one you have like an esports team that has their logo on the back of it so that when you go mm-hmm. up to uh to go take a break in the middle of your stream on twitch then your all those logos show up on the stream mm-hmm. all right we're gonna leave it there uh we've got just a few minutes left in this episode but so before i play us out uh let's do you know this very game heavy episode i want to hear where everybody's playing so let's let's go all around uh steve where are you playing right now uh well mostly I, i've mostly been cosplaying georgia dow and hearthstone i've been playing <laughs> i've been i've i've been realizing that i've been getting beaten up by orc warriors and orc shamans constantly so i decided to play as a rogue and just eviscerate and cold blood my way to victory so i've been i've been just kind of channeling my inner georgia dow and trying to uh to climb up the ranks there uh but and right. i have been playing uh pokemon uh some more yeah and then, you have and yeah. i also found this amazing little game for the 3ds called pocket card jockey Ooh. which which is it's a it's an eShop title it's like seven bucks and it's like you are a jockey a, like a, a low tier like crap jockey in in you know horse racing and you end up I don't know what happens like somehow you end up dying in the very beginning of the game and then they send you back and you in order to not die again you need to win races but the guy's terrible at horse races so they like well what are you good at well I'm good at solitaire okay so the more the better you play solitaire the the better your horse will run so <laughs> oh that sounds cute so you go into these horse races and as you're going through like the different stretches of the of the race, there's like, you know, the golf style solitaire where you just keep trying to make like consecutive runs up and down to clear the to clear the cards out. Mm-hmm. So each one of those stretches of the race is a round of solitaire. And then if you get if you clear all the cards, like your horse gets a better attitude and will run faster and then can maneuver better into its comfort zone so that it can get more challenging solitaire rounds. It's it's delightful. It's it's a lot of fun. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's really addictive. We'll, we'll put a link to that in yeah. the show notes. Yeah. Simone, what are you playing? What are you playing? Just Overwatch. Oh, are you playing it for work, or do you really no, love it? No, I, <laughs> I got back on the horse after a while off. And ironically, I got back on the horse when I had to play other games for to like for our Game of the Year um, contention. Yeah. Uh, so I'm deep back in hell with Overwatch. And also, I got my best friend to start playing, which also oh. helps us. Uh, so we've been playing together. Um, and then Stardew Valley, which I also started playing for Game of the Year, and I'm dead now. I just can't yeah. oh. stop. Never stop. There are three people in my house playing that game simultaneously right now and fighting oh. over the computer for oh it. My God. So, yeah. It is perfect. I have to ask, who do you mean in Overwatch? Uh, I know you like Junkrat a lot. Uh, I've actually I mean moved Diva. on from Junkrat. Uh, I don't play Junkrat as much anymore. I most, I've been really... I saw a couple great YouTube videos of people who are really good at playing Lucio and really good at playing Mercy. So I've been trying to just become better at being an aggressive healer. And 
it's been it's been a, a good quest. I really I really want to get good at Zenyatta, especially since I just got one of his legendary skins oh. in a loot box. So now I'm like, well, crap, I have to get good at him because he looks freaking <laughs> awesome. He's so much fun when you when you can finally like start once you figure him out a little bit. And I'm I'm still terrible at him, but every once in a while I'll have a good game with him. There's some video I, I posted on YouTube a while ago that was just like me mowing down like ten people oh. in a row with him. Oh. Wow, and it feels so it good to be yeah. good at Zenyatta. Yeah, I love I love and. I love the animations that he has. You feel so aggressive. Yeah. And then he's, he's going and he's like, I, I am on fire and an extinguisher is not required. And it just like adds to the, to the joy of just like killing people with a Buddhist robot. It's fantastic. I'm going to reinstall that on my box and give it another go. Like I got, put it on your PS4 because I'm playing on PS4. Yeah. So am I. We should all, we should, we should find a time together. Oh, it'd be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Georgia, what are you playing? What are you playing, Georgia? Okay. So I, uh, have gone with Simone's super hot. Uh oh. Um, yes. So I'm playing that in VR. It it really is that much fun. It's good. like so good, good, right? It's, good. it's a really cool game. It doesn't look like anything. So this is one of those games that you have to play it to enjoy it. Looking at it, you'll be like, eh, horrible. But no, it's really cool. It's simple. Um, it's really neat. I totally it's did hard. The, it's hard, yeah. which is makes it so much fun. And I did that thing of trying to like, I was playing another game and I stopped moving in hopes that my game would slow down. And I'm like, oh wait, wrong game. Um, so I'm <laughs> playing that. I absolutely love it. If you're into VR, it's a game definitely to get. I'm also playing paintball in rec room. I'm a, like, I, I'm just destroying people on it. So my, I, my husband and I play, he plays on the Oculus. I play on the Vive. We play together. We, I, we just, destroy people on it so that's an absolute blast and on ios i'm playing kingdom rush which is so much fun it's a tower defense game and they have like three different versions of games kingdom rush frontiers the regular kingdom rush and there's one more that i haven't yet played i'm playing that religiously as well so a lot of games awesome. happening so can, awesome. I, can i ask you a really quick question about super hot because i played it not in vr until my mac decided that it wasn't going to deal with it anymore and just crashed in the middle <laughs> of, a, of a of a level um, but so when you're cause the idea is super hot is that you don't like time doesn't advance until you start moving. So do you actually have to physically like stand perfectly still in order to keep yes. time from moving? Yep. You even oh, your sounds- head movements will count not as much as your hand movements, but even turning your head will make time move, which is so sweet. Oh, that's that sounds stressful, though, because like it's, even just the, like keeping the mouse perfectly still just to see it without VR is sometimes kind of stressful. So I can't even it's imagine kind like, of having neat to, like, because it becomes intuitive. Yeah, but you can't even like turn your head to see if a bullet's about to shoot you. And I don't know, like I'll, I find myself like flicking my fingers to get time to advance some. So right. I, yeah. I, I have to admit it's it's a good game. I think Space Pirate Trainer is the best shooting game on Oculus. I really have you played Space, that much? Space Pirate, yeah, Space Pirate Trainer is a great game. It's usually one of the first games that I have people try out to it. Um, yeah. The only thing with Space, the, the difference between it is I enjoy the strategy more. In Like Space Pirate Trainer, it's pretty much a straight-up shoot em game, dodge out of the way. There's a little bit more strategy that you get for Super Hot, so it's kind of like different. It's like a really different game. If you want just to shoot them up. Did you guys play the um, the one that's the gunslinger yet? Yes. Yeah. What did you guys think of I haven't played it yet, but my husband's felt- been playing it. You know, it's uh, a lot of the advanced modes have you, you know, playing with, frankly, a bunch of dudes, you know, okay, and okay. voices enabled. It's just like I've I've yeah, had bad yeah, yeah. teammate experiences from that, yeah. so yeah. I I don't I I don't like it. 
I think when Robo Recall comes out, you might put that in along with Space Pirate Trainer as your like popcorn yeah. fun shooting Oculus game because Robo Recall is probably the most fun I've had. Like I love Super Hot; it's incredibly smart and well designed. But like in terms of just like gleefully giggling as I play Robo Recall. Yeah, yeah. I played the Bullet Train demo so many times. Yeah. So yeah. I found I enjoyed Super Hot more when I started thinking of it less like a shooter and more like a puzzle game. It is a puzzle game. Yeah. It's That's absolutely exactly a puzzle what it game. Is. Yeah. yeah, it's a puzzle game. Yeah, yeah. So what are you playing, Brie? Oh, what am I playing? Uh, so you know, I got the Cordelia virus from my husband. Uh, it's been great. Uh, literally, I've lost two weeks on the couch. Uh, just been nuked. Uh, it's been really, really bad. Uh, so I've got the live Final Fantasy fourteen uh, done. I got my white mage up to level sixty. Uh, super happy about that. I've been playing a lot of Civilization six, but I, I got to tell you guys, I'm so pissed at the current like macbooks it's just it frustrates me so much that for me to play civ 6 which isn't a super intensive game i have to set the map size to small and no and only have three Mm -hmm. other leaders just for it to be kind of playable yeah it it just really i i understand that like you know that's not the primary function for a macbook pro as far as apple's concerned but it's frustrating when you want to play a, an occasional game on your computer that you bought for other reasons. Mm-hmm. And so often, even if you can, it, the experience is just so bad that you may as well not bother. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel, Steve, if I'm going to drop $3,000 on a MacBook, yeah. I think it should run Civ. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. just kind of how and I XCOM feel. And XCOM 2. It yeah. should run XCOM 2 also. It should like, run XCOM. Like, it's not, it, this is, it's ridiculous that you have to yeah. choose, you know, yes. when you're spending you, that much money really, on a And you really, you really absolutely shouldn't have to. I mean, yeah, you can run Doom in the touch bar, but you can't run an actual game that's come out for an actual computer in the last year or two. Oh, I'm going to get angry if we keep talking about this. I want to end on a positive note. I am so hardcore into Sun and Moon, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Nice. Uh, I just love this game. It is by Miles my favorite Pokemon game. If you've never played one, it is worth going out and getting a 3DS to uh, to pick up. And Steve, I'm going to competitively battle you soon. With and you're going to so. you're going to wreck me because I can't I can't do two competitive games at the same time. All right, all but right. I'll play in uh, Hearthstone. I'd be I look forward to, to drinking in. <laughs> your tears uh, uh georgia where can people find you <laughs> After drinking tears oh uh, it's hardcore i'll have to i'll have to start practicing poking tournament filled with steve's, steve's tears steve's yeah, steve's tears. Tears. yeah they're, they're bottled right. now you, you can get them at the convenience store near you they're salty steve tears that's right. it yeah. that's it georgia where can people find you you can check out if you're dealing with anxiety depression and any other issues you can check out anxiety-videos.com and of course on twitter it's at georgia underscore dow Steve, where can people find you? Um, you can find me posting ridiculous screenshots of my rogue adventures on Hearthstone on Twitter at Wicked Good. The known Sergeant Rushford, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar, and you can find my work at youtube.com slash polygon. And when does your book come out? February 15th. February 15th. 2017. We will. Can you get us an advanced copy so we can have that be a topic on disruption? You've you've got to do that, right? I don't. I think I get the copy. I, no, no. I will totally get eBooks actually. Okay. Before it comes okay. out. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna we'll do a whole segment on that. <laughs>
Is is there oh an audible God. version? Are you gonna you gonna narrate the audible version? There's got to be an audible I, version. That is, I could possibly do that, but it probably wouldn't be till after. I could make my own ebook of me reading it to you. I, I just want I want story time with Simone. Is what I want. That sounds Aww. right. You know, Rocket listeners will pay for that. Like you, you know that, and yeah, you've got to do that. That's worth an afternoon. You, you of make your that time, like the member so. bonus for for becoming a relay member, and, and oh just give that out as a, as a Rocket totally member. It's a website where authors can, you know. Like, audition actors to do their ebooks for them and make our ebooks audio books for them and i should probably do that for accessibility and uh fun purposes (laughs) i that's how i read books i listen to them uh awesome you can find me at the uh awesome twitter account known as space cat gal and steve do you have something to tell everyone well just first of all remind everyone if that mike is not here but you can you can also find micah at marcus micah sergeant on twitter you know, that guy. Oh, yay. <laughs> and, that guy. Uh, yeah. Go. We're done. Go. Goodbye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>